That's right, folks. It's Wednesday. That means you are listening to Wrestling with Worldwide Willis, brought to you by League of Melanated Gentlemen Podcast Network. And today we're going to break down a few different uh, pay-per-views that happened this past weekend, as we also are going to talk about the top five clotheslines of all time. Uh, And so I'll give you my list of that. The clothesline is one of my favorite moves of all time. If, honestly, if I was a wrestler, it'd be a move I would use as a finisher um, or as a signature move, I would say, just because it's just a beautiful move. It's classic. Keep it simple. Take a dude's head off, right? Keep it simple. Uh, but Okay, so we're going to break down Night of Champions, and we're going to break down um, we're going to break down NXT uh, Battleground. Now, I didn't watch the AEW Double or Nothing. Um, I watched a little bit of it, but I don't think it's fair for me to give a review on it if I haven't seen the full uh, product, right? The full uh, pay-per-view. So uh, maybe a later date, I'll break down uh, maybe the next AEW event. But today we're focusing on WWE and uh, we'll start with Night of Champions. So first match, World Heavyweight title match. We have AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. This is a new title, the world title for, for Raw. So, um, again, it's a vacant title. It's a brand new title. This is a championship match we've been waiting for. And uh, I thought it delivered for the most part. Uh, It wasn't a classic, but I thought um, it did a really good job of amping up the crowd. Shout out to the the crowd. This event, Night of Champions, was in Saudi Arabia. So uh, it was, you know, different crowd, not your normal American crowd, but it definitely delivered. Like it may, you know, they were excited. They knew all the chants. They knew all the, uh, they knew who they should be rooting for, who, who's the bad guy. They knew everything, right? These are, these are true wrestling fans. Shout out to that. That's why I love wrestling. It's a worldwide thing. Uh, shout out to worldwide. Uh, so in this, uh, again, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, we knew we were going to have a good match. There's no way you have a Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles and have a bad match. That's just not going to happen. But in this case, it wasn't necessarily a classic. It was uh, it was really good. It was like a really good regular Raw match, I would say. Um, and the victor was Seth Rollins. He is now our new World Heavyweight Champion. So he is the champion of the Raw brand. And he wants to be a, a working champion, right? He wants to defend that title as much as possible. Um, he wants to, you know, take that title and make it legendary. And I think... What better person to do that than Seth Rollins? He's, he's at the top of his game right now. The dude has morphed into many different characters, but this version of Seth Rollins is the best version. Um, his swag, his gear, the song, the battle cry, the music, everything. He's just on point in all in all areas. So really, ha- really happy that Seth Rollins won. And uh, I would give that match three and a half out of five. Uh, it wasn't a classic, but it was good. It was really good. Uh, next one, we have Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch. Um, this one was solid. This one was better than I, I expected, honestly. Um, I will say, to preference, in Saudi Arabia, um, they cannot, the women wrestlers cannot wear their normal gear, right? They can't show their arms, their, their uh, thighs, their legs, you know, stomach, things of that nature, um, like they can in America, of course. A little uh, way more conservative over there. So, Women wrestlers, unfortunately, have to cover up uh, their neck pretty much down to the to their feet in, in you know, clothing. So with that said, 
you know, that's a different conversation. But with that said, Becky Lynch had probably one of the best gears of the night. She wore a kind of a Kill Bill yellow jumpsuit, and uh, it was really dope. Uh, you can tell what it was inspired by. It just She looked really good. Uh, she looked great. But Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus, this isn't Trish Stratus from 2001, right? So we know this isn't the prime Trish Stratus, but she's doing, she's doing pretty good in the ring. Uh, and honestly, she's been a better – she's been so good on the mic lately as a heel, as a bad guy, that it's – you kind of don't worry too much about the wrestling part. Um, and this match, solid chemistry between the two of them. Uh, wasn't great, wasn't flawless, but they definitely did their job. The best part of this match was the finish. So uh, at, at one point, Becky's uh, throwing, I think, um, Trish on out of the ring. So Becky's in the ring with the referee. Trish is on the outside. And Trish starts to make her way, like starts peeking under the, the, uh, under the ring for some reason. And Becky and uh, the ref see that. So Becky jumps out, grabs her. Becky, uh, and then throws Trish in the ring. Well, when she throws in the ring, Trish, being a veteran that she is, kind of distracts the referee um, so he's not really seeing what's going on where Becky is. And so uh, Zoe Stark, a new call-up from NXT, pops out from under the ring and hits um, Becky with her finishing move. Very cool move. Kind of think of more like uh, the go-to-sleep by... CM Punk, but a little variation of it. She kind of gets you in a in a slam, flips you uh, backwards, and then hits you with a knee. Uh, very cool move. She hits her with that, uh, then throws Becky into the ring. Of course, the ref did not see it. Um, I think Trish Stratus hits her with another move. I've got her finishers called, but uh, I think it was Stratus Faction, I believe. And then one, two, three. That's it. Now, Cool little finish. Cool finish. You know, that the Zoe Stark aspect I did not see coming. I don't think anybody did. And I think it's a brilliant way to bring Zoe Stark in, who's new, you know what I mean? Who's, you know, been wrestling for years, but new to the main crowd, to the casual audience. So to pair her with Trish Stratus as, a, as the heel pair, really good move. Uh, Trish came out with the victory. Uh, this, this feud is going to continue. I'm, I'm okay with it. I wasn't interested in this feud until this point, but with this added Zoe Stark element, I'm kind of interested. I give that one a two and a half out of five. Now, our next match. <clears throat> Mustafa Ali versus the Ring General Gunta. They are Intercontinental Champion. Um, this is for the Intercontinental Championship. Really good match. Um, it was one of those classic... The champion is just so good. There's no way the the challenger has a chance. And then somehow the challenger fights off a little bit to where you think they have a chance, and then boom, the, the champion swoops in and beats them. That's kind of what this was. Mustafa Ali uh, was a huge underdog against Gunther, but Mustafa Ali did a really good job of showing his talent, showing everything he's capable of, pushing Gunther a little bit. Um, and then Gunther had to really turn it up to win. So a uh, really good match. Uh, wasn't a squash match, but also wasn't a huge competition. But, I, I mean, uh, this is kind of classic wrestling, which I'm okay with, right? Like the smaller guy really pushing the big guy to the brink and the big guy finally finishing him off. I'm, I'm okay with that, right? Sometimes we need to just keep it simple. 
And uh, in this case, it was. And Mustafa Ali left the match looking really good, right? Looking like he could challenge others and looking like a viable challenger for other things as well. So I give that a three out of five. Next, we have Asuka versus Bianca Belair for the, I believe, SmackDown Women's Championship. We haven't quite figured out if we're going to change titles or not between her and Rhea. Don't know how that's going to work, so we're just going to call it the Women's Championship, uh, one of the Women's Championships. And in this match, it was it was solid. Uh, definitely wasn't as good as their WrestleMania match, but I would say that uh, it did it did its job, and it definitely got us more. It was a surprise finish. So to explain it, basically, the bill going up into this match the last couple of weeks is that Asuka's using the mist. You know, if you're if you know Japanese wrestlers, they've usually historically some have had. Um, have had mist in their mouth and they spray it on their opponent. Well, that's Oscar's been using lately. She's used it for a while, but definitely lately. Um, and she's been spraying it on Bianca, like catching her off guard, you know. And and so Bianca's like trying to prepare for that. And so in this match, Bianca does prepare for it in the traditional sense, to where when um, Oscar shoots it at her, she you know she sees that, sees it coming, dodges it. Okay, cool. Bianca thinks she's good in the match. Cool. They go back and forth, go back and forth. And then at the end, Asuka still has more mist. And you notice when Asuka, when when she came out originally, you notice like she has tape on her fingers. You were like, why does she have tape on her fingers? She never has tape on her her tip of her fingers. Like it never really makes, she never does that. So in this match, it was like, oh, that's interesting. Whatever. You think maybe she switched it up one time or whatever. But in the course of the match, um, Asuka finds herself on the outside. Uh, the ref's occupied. Asuka spits that mist onto her fingers, her taped fingers. And then uh, Bianca gains, gets, uh, Asuka gets back in the ring. Bianca gains the advantage again, is about to hit her with her finishing move, the KOD, gets her up. And then uh, Asuka rubs the tip of her fingers that has that mist on it in Bianca's eyes which obviously throws Bianca off and then um, Asuka kicks her in the back of the head. Boom, pins her one, two, three. Now Asuka is the champion. Um, I'm not necessarily the biggest Asuka fan, but I definitely enjoyed what this finish. It was really creative. Um, it was really fun. I'm not necessarily ex- super excited about her title reign, but if we get more creative finishes like this from Asuka, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm definitely open to see how she finishes out. So I get that. Give that match three out of five. Um, I thought again, it wasn't as good as the WrestleMania match, but the finish was very creative. So it kind of made up for it, and we had a title change. Uh, really, Bianca was the only person to lose her title at Night of Champions. Um, next one we had Rhea versus Natalia. Yeah, it was a wrap. I'll give that about a one one and a half out of five. Rhea just smashed Natalia. Natalia had no business uh, challenging for a championship uh, in the year 2023. So Rhea won, rightfully so. And uh, I'm excited to see her continue to, you know, challenge. And I just love Rhea. And Rhea's like a superstar now. And I'm glad that she's being able to be, being in the judgment day, she's been able to get a spotlight outside of the women's division. Right? She... Some stars, even Bianca included, have kind of fell into the kind of boring, stale women division, women's division we're having right now. Maria's in the judgment day. She's with Dom. She's 
beefing with Sammy and KO, beefing with the bloodline, beefing with, you know, different people. She's outside of that. So she's to the point where where she's to the point where she's kind of created a, a character for herself that is not affected by the swaying uh, affectability of the women's division. She's kind of just doing her thing, right? She's outside of that. And shout out to Rhea. She's a superstar. Uh, loved her since the beginning. Loved her since the May Young Classic back in the day. So huge fan of hers. Next we had Cody versus Brock. Won't spend too much time on this one. I'm I'm over this rivalry. It's it's the build is trash. The matches have been garbage. Um, just not interested in that at all. To be honest, um, definitely want to see Cody go against a Shinsuke, a Finn Balor. A, edge uh, just i just want to see battles i want to see wrestling i want to see cody really fight through like wrestling some guys rather than having to beat brock like i i get it beating this big huge obstacle but it just has been kind of boring um and, and i get it they're trying to keep they're trying to keep cody occupied so they can then continue these seth going for the heavyweight title and then roman doing his thing with his titles and they're trying to keep Cody over here occupied with something else to kind of, you know, hold off until they want to push Cody towards the championships. But it's just like, I think there's better options than Brock. I know he's a superstar. You know, he makes a lot of money for him, but their matches have been lackluster to say the say it best. So um, that one, I really don't, I give it a two out of five. It was whatever. Now, the main event of Night of Champions, we had Sammy and KO as the undisputed tag team champions versus Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, hold up your wounds, put your wounds in the air, versus, and Solo Sokoa, a.k.a. the bloodline. And um, this match was amazing. This match was the match of the night. Um, I would say just the storytelling aspect. Like, obviously, the wrestling was good. Like, all four of those guys are great. Even Solo is really good. But the storyline is what, took it to the next level. So if you don't know, lately, the bloodline's having some issues, you know, having some inter- interpersonal squabbles. And um, right now, the Usos are trying to prove to Roman that they belong still in the bloodline. And there's some cracks there where Roman is really, you know, uh, pushing the Usos and saying, basically saying, like, y'all can't get it done. Y'all can't take care of Sammy and KO, so I'm going to do it. And so. He's been really challenging Jimmy Uso, like really like challenging his manhood, honestly. And uh, Jay has kind of been the one to be like, hey, Jimmy, I know he's I know he's coming at you crazy, but like, hold off. That's the tribal chief. Like, pay some respect. And so and it's kind of different than what we've seen. It's kind of the the dynamic switched. It used to be Jay. You'd have to hold off. And then Jimmy was the one to calm him down. But that's the beautiful thing about the storyline. There's so many layers. It just keeps peeling back more and more and more. And so in this match, the Usos interrupt the match because the classic Roman Reigns uh, match formula, they go at it, go at it, and then somehow the ref gets knocked down, and then that's when the shenanigans start, which I'm cool with. Some people don't like, hey, man, that's pro wrestling. Like, I don't know what, I don't know if you've never seen it before, but that's just what happens. And so, um, yeah, the shenanigans start. The ref is down. The Usos come out, and without 
the approval of Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns did not tell them to come out there. They come out there thinking they're going to help Roman Reigns and Solo beat Sammy and KO. So they start attacking them, blah, blah, blah. They accidentally kick. They're trying to kick, I think it was Kevin, Kevin Owens, uh, double super kick him. They, he dodges it and they accidentally super kick Solo. And so Solo's knocked down. And so uh, Roman is seeing this and Roman gets in the ring and is like, what the hell are y'all doing? Like, I didn't tell y'all to come out here. Like, I didn't tell y'all uh, to run this play. Like, listen to me. And so he walks up to Jimmy and is like, what the hell are you doing? And he like mushes him in his face. And then he turns around and he's like talking shit to Jay Uso. It's like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, I didn't tell y'all to come out here. And he like turns around. Jimmy super kicks him. Super kicks something I did not expect. Right? Super kicks. Jimmy super kicks him. And then Jay is like, yo, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Jimmy's like, I'm doing what you should have did a long ass time ago. And then he super kicks him again. Roman for the second time. The crowd is going crazy because we know this is a pivotal moment in the storyline. Like you got to understand, Jimmy was the one who was like at the beginning of this whole thing was like, nah, we want Sammy. Sammy, like Sammy, Sammy Zayn has proved he loves the bloodline. Prove he's down for the bloodline. Like invite him in. Jay was like, hell no. Like he ain't part of the family. And so when. Obviously, when Sammy turned on Roman, hit him with the cheer, Jimmy was the first one to be like, oh, hell no. You trade, you, you like, you went against the tribal chief. I got, I'm sorry, bro. You my boy, but I got to, you got to pay for that. So Jimmy immediately jumps on Sammy. Well, Jay is like a little reluctant. And so later on in the storyline, you know, it starts, you never know. Jay, you were like, well, Jay, you was like, uh, I don't know. Is he with Roman or is he not? where Jimmy was always riding for Roman Reigns. And so for it to switch to where Jimmy is like, oh, no, nah, like, you're not going to disrespect me. You know what I mean? And Jay being the one to be like, hold on, hold on. Like, we got to do what's best for the bloodline. We got to respect Tribal Chief. It's really cool to see that dynamic change. And it adds, again, adds another layer to the story. And so, again, um, after he super kicks him, um, Jimmy's like, all right, we got to go. We got to get out of here. And Jay is like in shock if any of this happened. Solo starts to recover from the double super kick. I think Kevin Owens hits him with the stunner. Boom, he wobbles over to the corner. Kev, uh, Sami Zayn hits him with the haluga kick. Boom, one, two, three. Uh, Sami and KO uh, regain and still undisputed tag team champions. So really good match. Outstanding story part. Really excited to, what, to see what we get from this upcoming SmackDown. This is going to be crazy. Uh, that's a must-see SmackDown. So we shall see. Um, next we have, again, NXT Battleground was the next night. So Night of Champions was Saturday, midday, over in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and the NXT Battleground was Sunday night. NXT Battleground was in Massachusetts. And uh, I forgot what city they was, but it was Massachusetts. And uh, um, there's a few there's one key individual in NXT who's from Massachusetts, so it kind of made sense. So, in the in this one, we had first match. We had the North American title uh, match. We had Tyler Bate versus Wesley versus Joe Gacy. Really good match. Uh, I'm a huge Tyler Bate fan. Um, if you know me, I love the more physical style wrestling. 
I love like the old school Japanese style wrestling, like the more UK style of wrestling where it's like really stiff, really. And what I mean by stiff is like, I'm hitting you hard. Like I'm not pulling my punch. I'm not necessarily trying to hurt you, but I'm also, this is going to hurt. And it's like an understood, this is going to hurt. I'm not just randomly punching you in the face. You know what I mean? So really, I really prefer more of a stiff style. And that's what Tyler Bate is. And he's definitely, uh, he's also extremely athletic and really creative with his style. Uh, He's kind of goofy in a great way. Like, I mean that in a good way as far as the way he wrestles, but it's amazing. Wesley has really impressed me. I was not a Wesley guy at the beginning, uh, but he has become one of the best North American champions of all time. He's put, he had amazing title defenses uh, every time. His last match with Dijak was amazing. Um, and he had plenty of countless others. So, and Joe Gacy is very interesting cat. Like, really good wrestler. Doesn't necessarily look the part, but you wouldn't expect it, but dude can wrestle. And so, in this match, just really creative spots. Um, and there was one spot where Tyler Bate does this thing where he picks you up kind of picks you up uh, in a fireman's carry. Um, and, well, actually, like, in a carry where, like, like think of, like, John Cena's about to do his finishing move. He picks you up like that, and he just spins around. He just spins around a circle till he gets dizzy and effective, effectively making the person dizzy, and it hits him with a move after. Well, he does that, but meanwhile, he stops. Wesley falls in front of him. He grabs him by his ankles, kind of like what Cesaro does when he does a swinging thing by some, grabbing somebody's ankles. And he has a dude. Joe Gacy is a big dude. Joe Gacy, I'm, think, I'm guessing pushing to 260, maybe 250, 260. And Tyler Bate is like 5'8, but really strong. The dude got some Saquon Barkley type hips. You know what I'm saying? Quads. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's swinging them both around. Really cool, cool effect. I think they have it on uh, WWE Instagram. Uh, really cool. Really got a real big pop from the crowd. Uh, really good match. Um, Wesley ends up winning the match, uh, another great title defense. And yeah, I'm really excited to see who he faces next. Um, in the next match we have, and honestly, this is probably the worst match on the card. The Heritage Cup, (coughs) excuse me, the Heritage Cup. We have Dragon Lee versus, excuse me if I'm saying his name wrong. Noam Dar um, and the Heritage Cup. I'm not as familiar with this match or this particular, I say title, but it's kind of a trophy. Um, it's more of a NXT a UK thing that kind of moved over. NXT kind of crumbled and pretty much merged with just NXT. But um, fun match. Didn't really understand the rules as much. I think the rules were kind of really cool. And I bet back in the day in NXT UK, I bet you they had some amazing matches for that for that Heritage Cup. But in this one, it just wasn't there. I'm not a Dragon Lee guy. Uh, I don't understand all the hype behind him. Um, had a lot of hype coming in. Just don't think he's that guy. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. Maybe he grows on me. I don't know. But definitely not super impressed with what I've seen so far. So that one I give the Tyler Bate, Wesley, Joe Gacy match, three and a half out of five. Heritage Cup match, I give it two out of five. And then this next match, geez, best match of the night by far. 
we have Dijak versus Dragunov. Dijak versus Dragunov. That sounds like a like an old school like Rocky movie. Dijak versus Dragunov. Amazing match. Super physical. Um, I think it was a no holds bar match. So they was pulling out steel chairs. I mean, they were pulling out the chairs from the side of the ring. The steel steps. Uh, they was kendo sticks, chairs, all that. All of it was in play in this match. Um, they even pulled out a table. Like uh, Dijak was like, you know, you like pick up a table at an angle because you're trying to pick it up. And then Dragunov just runs and just runs through the table, throws his body into the table to run into Dijak. It's just a really cool spot. I think he actually cut his chin open by doing that. And uh, yeah, man, both of these guys are just amazing. So to have them go against each other was just, it was amazing. It was honestly kind of uncomfortable. Like one time, Dijak had Dragunov in the corner and Dijak had a kendo stick and he kind of had him in the corner. You know, like somebody will have someone in the corner and they're about to just, you know, chop him a bunch of times. Well, in this case, Dijak had a, a kendo stick and like was hitting him over and over and it was like uncomfortable. Like it was to the point where he was like, God, dog, like how long are you going to do this? You know? And so really, really physical match. Um, the ending was great. Dijak hit him with this classic like landed elbow kind of form kind of slam thing. Um, it's kind of different. I really haven't seen anyone use that when someone's laying on the ground, but uh, a really cool match. Um, and yeah, I, I give it a four out of five. It's the match of the night for sure. And again, Dijak, I mean, the dude don't miss. He had a match with Wesley. He lost that match as well, but that was probably Wesley's best match he had had at the point at that point. So I think I think Dijak is like the plug and play guy for NXT. Like if I if Shawn Michaels runs NXT, if if you don't know, but Shawn Michaels, I'm sure if he's thinking like, all right, I gotta have I gotta have this young talent who I want to push really really far, but I need him to have a really good match. All right, I'm gonna put him up against Dijak because I know if I put him up against Dijak. He's going to have a great match. He's going to win against Dijak, and then he'll be catapulted from there, right? Because the losses for Dijak really don't affect him because we all respect and know how good he is. I'm hoping Dijak eventually gets to go back to his old um, Feast Your Eyes character, and I'm hoping he gets maybe moved up to the main roster because I think he could be an amazing, like, mid-card talent. I really, I think he'd be amazing to go for to go against Brunson Reed and all those guys, Bobby Lashley, Sheamus, Gunther, all these guys in like intercontinental title matches and U.S. title matches. Like he'd be perfect for that. I'm, I'm not quite sure why he hasn't been moved up already. But Dragunov, sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, a lot of rumors are that he's going to be the guy to um, to defeat Gunther, right? Like they've had classic matches in the U.K. against each other. And so a lot of people want to see that on the big stage uh, where Dragunov versus Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. I hope we get that. I really do. I think that'd be amazing, especially if we got it in front of like a UK crowd. Oh my God, that place would be crazy. Um, or even Russia, like Dragunov's from Russia. I mean, I doubt we're going to, I think Gunther's from uh, Austria. Doubt we're going to get a WWE event in either one of those countries at this point, but I think overseas in general, um, they both were huge in NXT UK, so they're loved out there. So 
Uh, outstanding match between Dijak and Dragunov. Next, we had Creed Brothers versus Gallus. I think, honestly, I believe NXT maybe has the best tag division. I don't know about just pure talent for talent, but like NXT puts on the best tag matches of any brand to me. Well, I'm going to say AEW does really damn good tag matches, but so does NXT. Like NXT's, they're finished every, all their match, uh, tag team matches are really creative. They add a lot of stuff you haven't seen. A lot of like real tag team finishers, not just one guy as a finisher and the other guy as a finisher. No, like finishers where they're both together, doing one move together to finish the thing. I really like that. To me, that's a sign of an actual tag team. Um, that's why I was never like a huge Hardy Boys guy, just because I was like, okay, I got the Swanton bomb, but what is the other guy doing? You know what I mean? Uh, that's why I was a Dudley Boys guy, right? 3D, classic move, both together. We knew what was coming when they both was in the ring and somebody was like wobbling towards Devon. He was like, oh, okay, it's about to go down. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but yeah, Cree Brothers versus Gallus. I thought. I thought we'd get better. I'm not going to lie to you. Both of these tag teams are amazing. I could watch the Creed brothers wrestle for hours. Like, both of them are amazing. Amazing. Gallus, Gallus is the old school tag team. Gallus is, like, from the 1990s WCW. Like, two big old dudes, two wide-body dudes beating the hell out of dudes. Um, they're both from the UK. Uh, really high-pedigree high tag team from over there. Came over. Have done nothing less but really kill it in the NXT tag division, and yeah, this is Gallus is the champions. Cree brothers were the champions. They're trying to get the championships back. I thought the match was a little short, honestly. Um, I'm hope I, to me the Cree brothers are the better tag team. I want to see them with the titles, but I'm assuming they're going to continue to string this thing out and maybe add some more tag teams in the mix. Um, I know they're last. The tag team championships where Gallus won the title was at the last NXT like big event, and that was a really good tag team match. Um, but in this case, I just thought we could get more. Creed versus Gallus is supposed to be a banger, no matter what. And this one, it just wasn't. They didn't give enough time. The finish wasn't was very like predictable. Another, you know, um, Gallus and Creed brothers are going at it, and then there's a distraction. Uh, and then it distracts the Creed brothers. One of them gets in the ring, gets hit with the Gallus finisher, and it's over. It was kind of a – we've seen that story before on regular NXT episodes. So I was just hoping for something different or something more dramatic or a little longer or something. Just didn't give me what I was expecting. Uh, so I'll give it a three out of five. Uh, Lyra Valkyria versus Tiffany Stratton for the vacant NXT Women's Championship. Now, this one, really good. Actually went a lot longer than I thought it would go. Um, in this case, you have so Lara Val- Valkyria is more like a workhorse, right? She's not the most athletic girl, but can really wrestle. Um, is really technically sound, uh, very experienced, understands you know different wrestling concepts, and just has done this for a while. <clears throat> for Tiffany Stratton, on the other hand has only been wrestling for like one and a half years is a former gymnast uh, in college, but has taken the wrestling like extremely well, extremely well. Like 
the day she got in, we were all like, whoa, like we, we might have a star in our hands. And not just because she's athletic. She has really good IQ. So, uh, for example, in this match, Lyra Valkyria has a knee brace on her left knee, I believe. And in one point of the match, Val- Valkyria throws Stratton against the ring, um, against the uh, ropes. Stratton comes back. She's trying to leap over, leapfrog over her. But Tiffany kind of kind of clips her, clips her leg when going through. And Valkyria lands and kind of awkwardly, like it was a real awkward. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to fake this. No, it was like a, oh, snap. Like I was worried she was hurt. And, you know, some wrestlers would be like, oh, okay, let me just keep wrestling regularly. Where Stratton, only a year and a half in, was like, oh, your knee hurt? You already got a brace on it, but now your knee actually hurts? Oh, okay, bet. Like, she went after it over. She gave her literally every move you could do to a knee. She did it, right? She even picked her up, ran her knee into the side pole of the ring. Uh, she did a bunch of different creative stuff to affect the affect that leg. And I thought it was really smart and really nice to see from a, a young talent. There's a lot of times where you'll see somebody, like, get hurt. And the other person just doesn't have, like, if I'm wrestling you, Whoever you are, if you, if you got a bad ankle, like I'm, I'm putting you in an ankle lock immediately, immediately. Like, like, no, I'm stepping on it. I'm dropping a knee on it. I'm dropping an elbow on it. I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm like in a William Regal-esque way going to find every way I can to systematically break your ankle down. You know what I mean? That's just the way I think. And so I love to see a wrestler think the same way. Right. This is for a championship match. Do what you got to do to win. Right. This is not about doing the prettiest stuff. No, do what you got to do to win. And Stratton has shown that she can do that. She has the ring IQ to understand that type of stuff. And that's dope because overall, the reason we love Tiffany Stratton is because she's a elite level athlete, which you don't you're seeing more of in the women's division. That ain't always the case. So in this match. The finisher was Tiffany Stratton hit Valkyria with their, her patented moonsault, which I got to say is one of the most beautiful moonsaults I've ever seen. Like, literally, it's if for those that can remember, like, when Kurt Angle did a moonsault, that, was, that shit was beautiful. Like, he almost paused in the air. Like, it was almost slow motion. That's what Tiffany Stratton's uh, moonsault is like. And so whenever we do a top five moonsaults, Tiffany Stratton might be in there. Um, but this moonsault, it was like momentum. The crowd was in it. You could tell, like, she doesn't move to run right into the moonsault. So she has some momentum. And she, like, steps on each rope. The first buckle, second buckle, and then third one. And then hits the moonsault. And it's beautiful to watch. You can check it out. It was probably the best moonsault I've seen her do. Uh, and then, so that was very timely for this moment. So Tiffany Stratton is the new NXT Women's Champion. And I'm excited for her reign. The girl is like, if they're smart, they're going to put a strap a rocket ship to her back and push her to the moon. Like, she has everything you want. She can talk on the mic. Uh, she's a really good heel. It's kind of actually hard to root against her because, again, she's so talented, has a really good character. And, like, yeah, it's just hard to root against a girl like that. You know what I'm saying? Or a character like that in general. So I think she'll be a big-time heel or babyface. Doesn't really matter. But if they're smart, I'm, I'm thinking they're probably going to let her hold the title for a while. 
Uh, and she said publicly, like, I don't want to get I don't want to get called up to the main roster yet. I got a lot to learn. Uh, she says she looks up to Charlotte Flair. So that's a really good person to look up to and uh, kind of emulate a little bit. So, yeah, I'm excited for a long reign for Tiffany Stratton. She has everything it takes to have a long reign. And uh, yeah, classic, like pretty girl. I'm too good to be in this ring with the, with everybody else type of character, but also is an elite level athlete. So you rarely see that. Um, and then in our main event, we have Braun Breaker against Mello, him, Hayes. Um, Carmelo, for context, Carmelo is the NXT champion. And so he's defending his title right now in this match. And uh, Mello is also from, I think he's from Boston. So in this particular match, they're in that area. So a huge home home court advantage for Mello here. And uh, yeah, um, solid match. Solid match. Um, and I'll kind of break down my thoughts on both of these guys. These, so Braun Breaker, classic. It's crazy because, uh, okay, so... Braun Breaker is really, I forgot what his first name is, but he's a Steiner. If you know wrestling, you know Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner. So Rick Steiner's his dad, is Braun Breaker's dad, and Scott Steiner's obviously Braun Breaker's uncle. Now, the Steiner brothers are one of my favorites. Like Steiner brothers, bro, we'll talk about them a little later, uh, a little later, but some of my favorites. So especially like Scott Steiner, Big Papa Punk. Come on now. We all kissed our, our bicep every now and again, right? Uh, you're probably doing it right now. Well, I don't blame you. But in this case, Ron Breaker's a little different. Ron Breaker is like, I don't know, elite level athlete. His spear, he, his finisher is the spear. And it's honestly Goldberg level spear. Like he'd be taking dudes in half. And it's like, I think he has like three, five speed uh a four or five speed or whatever so he he be he be running you know he's pretty quick and so brown breaker i don't have huge things i don't have huge expectations from a brown breaker match other than like a really good spear you know pick some dudes up throw them around that's about it Carmelo hayes on the other hand i'm a little uh, this is a hot take not the biggest carmelo hayes fan now I'm a fan of in the ring, I'll say. As a character, love Carmelo. He's never, he hasn't missed. And that's literally his gimmick. Like, Melo don't miss. And um, he has a barbershop. And what I love about Melo is Melo ain't the classic, like, you know, Vince. Vince was low-key racist with some of these black characters, bro. Crime time. Like, what the, what the fuck is that? Like, we we had dudes in do-rags. I love R-Truth. But R-Truth first came out. Like, that was classic, you know, be, like, bullshit black characters whereas Mello is black and he's fully um proud of his blackness but it, he's intelligent too like he can articulate himself he gets out there and does a promo him and trick williams his his uh main side guy trick williams trick williams is an amazing uh side guy by the way um but Mello, as a character amazing he added a barbershop as a, like a little area where he can do promos and stuff in and like he's just added a bunch of different elements. His entrances are amazing. Um, even in his entrance for this one, he basically had a video montage of like every the Patriots winning the championship. 
Celtics winning the championship, the Bruins winning the championship, the Red Sox, and now he is the NXT champion, right? Like basically saying he's the pride of Boston. And that's dope. Like I love that stuff. But in the ring, Carmelo Hayes is missing something for me. I don't know what it is. I think it's I think one of them is his finisher. But I was thinking about this the other day. I think Melo, Melo is like watching somebody wrestle in two, WWE 2K. It's just like all hold the run, LT, hold run, run, run button, and then just running in the moves. Like he does a lot of Hurricane Rana's. Uh, like his moveset isn't very good, right? It's not as impactful. It's a lot of like like glamour and, and stuff to it, but it's not a lot of like, oh, damn, like that, that looked like that hurt or that that was impressive or, you know, it's just a lot of, I don't know. It's just not a lot of substance to his moveset. I need a little more. But mainly my issue with uh, Melo is his finisher. His finisher is basically like the old school famouser uh, that Billy Gunn did, but he basically does it from the top rope. And he'll climb up on the top rope and then hit you with the famouser. Um, that's trash. That's trash. If you're a big time star, you need a big time finishing move, right? John Cena, big time finishing move. Randy Orton, big time finishing move. Stone Cold, big time finishing move. Rock, big time finishing move, right? Like, if you want to be big time, you got to have a move. Like, you can't have a weak ass finisher. Like, the GOATs don't have a weak ass finisher. Um, so for me, it's like a dude as athletic as Mello, a dude with the character of Mello, of literally his finisher is called Mello Don't Miss. That's kind of trash, right? You're doing a famouser from the top rope. And it don't even look like it hurt. It don't even look like nothing. It looks like, I don't know, it looks boring. So his moveset is like very basic to me. And it's just not, I need Sean. If I was Shawn Michaels, I would literally go to him and be like, hey, I'm going to give you 48 hours. I need you to give me some, submit me some finisher ideas because this ain't going to work, bro. Like, this ain't going to work. you telling me he beats Braun Breaker with that weak-ass move? Or, or, like, when he gets called up, he's beating Gunther with that? Or he's beating Roman Reigns or Sheamus or, you know, Randy? Or like, any of the, Seth Rock, anybody with that weak-ass move? Not going to happen. Like, y'all got to get that fixed. I'm sorry. Like, I, I think I'm one of the few people on the internet who's saying that's a weak-ass finisher. And people were like, I don't know. People were like, oh, yeah, it's cool. It's like, dude, that's a trash finisher, right? Like, you need something to where everybody – when you need – when you're a big-time star and you're a champion, you need it to where when you're, when you're about to hit your finisher, people are, like, standing up out of their seat. In this case, no, I'm not standing up for that weak-ass move. I'm not doing it. So – um, Mello, I think he won against Braun Breaker, defended his championship, and hit him with that weak ass move. To and one, two, three, he wins. Now, I'm excited to see. I think maybe some of my issues, some of my issues with Mello, has to do with his opponent. I like Braun, but he's not necessarily a outstanding wrestler to watch. So I think maybe when Mello goes up against someone else, maybe your Tyler Bates, your Wes Lees, your Dijaks, your Dragonoffs, you know, Julius Creed, and um, some of these other great NXT wrestlers, maybe that'll bring out a different side to him and he'll break out some stuff. I, I've seen him have good matches against um, Ricochet and some others. 
But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I need something else from Melo. If he's going to be the big time like we're expecting, I need more. Um, but yeah, that was a really fun card. Uh, Brown Breaker versus Melo, I give it three out of five. But overall, NXT background was a really good show. Really good show. Um, the Heritage Cup was really the only downfall, but everything else is solid, at least, right? And then Dijak versus Dragunov was was a classic. Might be match of the year. We'll see. Um, but lastly, we're going to finish it out with a top five, folks. We're going to finish out with our top five clotheslines. Now, again, if you know me, you know I love a good clothesline. I love a good clothesline. I love the old school Japanese Old school uh, in the in the Japanese culture, like as far as wrestling in New Japan, the clothesline is a very historic move. It's a very like appreciated move, almost like a handed down type of move. And like not just anybody doing a clothesline out there. You know what I'm saying? It's not like wrestling here. We're just, you know, five, eight dudes who are like 109 pounds doing clotheslines. Like that's not happening. out there. You got to be you got to be a real one to do it. So, let's start it off. At number five of our top five clotheslines, we got Brody Lee. Now, some of you may not know Brody Lee. I want to say, what was Brody Lee's name in WWE? He was in, um, he was in, is it? Uh, he was in, um, he was in a faction, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, he Brody Lee was basically was in um, AEW. Um, he did a lot of great stuff in AEW, um, and yeah, he just dudes. The dude's clothesline is really good. Like it's it reminds me of a JBL, uh, more of a wind up, you know, running to you and kind of wind it up. Uh, Luke Harper. That's what I'm thinking of. Jeez. Um, his name was Luke Harper. And in WWE, he was there for a solid amount of time. And uh, yeah, he the dude's clothesline is amazing. Really winds it up. He's a big guy, right? Big, tall dude. So it's not, it looked like it hurts, right? Unfortunately, we lost Brody Lee um, a couple years ago, unfortunately. And so RIP, shout out to his family. Um, but really good clothesline. Dude was a really good, really good wrestler all around, honestly. Like, was a really good intercont- intercontinental champion in WWE, was a tag team champion in WWE as well. And just, yeah, he just, the dude was a really good wrestler. And he is finishing, his finisher of the clothesline really took it to another level, right? He was really worthy of having the clothesline. He was part of the Wyatt family uh, with Bray Wyatt, uh, for those that may remember him. Um, But shout out Brody Lee, number five, RIP. Number four, the Road Warriors. They're using one of the greatest names of a finishing move ever, the Doomsday Device. My God, that's great. Now, if you know comic books, you know that's a like homage to that. But the Doomsday device for the Legion of Doom, a.k.a. Road Warriors tag team. Basically, one guy would get him up on his shoulders and he and have the guy sitting on his shoulders. And the other guy would climb up to the top rope and clothesline the guy. Uh, and the guy would usually do a like flip over 
sometime landed on their head and have a concussion. Um, but this was the eighties, right? If you landed on your head, you just, you know, rub some dirt on it, get up. Right. Uh, unfortunately, but the doomsday doomsday device, it, it actually looked like it really hurt. And so again, great name, uh, clothesline off the top rope is always good, but especially when you pretty much flip a dude over, um, it's always beautiful to see. Now our number three is for folks that may not know him, Adam Page um, in AEW. You can look him up for those that don't necessarily watch AEW. He does a springboard clothesline, calls a shotgun clothesline. It's really cool. So he basically is on the, so think AJ Styles, like when he is the phenomenal form. But in this case, he's like on the side, he's on the apron. And he uses the uses the apron, the ropes to flip himself over. So he does a front flip. Then when he lands, he hits the guy with the clothesline. So it's a lot of momentum behind his clotheslines. And uh, it just looks really good, especially for a smaller. He's not like super small, but he's a smaller guy. And him doing a front flip into a clothesline, really cool. Really looks good. And uh, it looks like a finisher type of move. You know, when you see a finisher, you're like, ooh, okay, that looks dope. That's what Adam Page's uh, finisher looks like. And so, yeah, shotgun clothesline, really cool. Really good looking uh, clothesline. Number two, we have JBL. We all know the clothesline from hell. I will say the first time I saw the clothesline from hell, I was in love. I was in love. The fact that he ran full speed against the rope, knowing full well he's about to come back like he a bat out of hell and wind up a clothesline and knock a dude's head. Oh, he had no business gaining that much momentum to hit somebody that hard. Like, that was – like, his clotheslines were beautiful. Like, he, he didn't hold back at all. Like, some dudes, like, you know, they kind of just try to hit you across the chest and, you know, you let you do the work of falling and selling it. No, you ain't got to sell nothing with JBL. The clothesline from hell is hitting you, and, you know, as soon as it hits you, all the work is done. Your body's going to react how it reacts. And so, yeah, JBL, clothesline from hell, that's probably the the most physical one I've seen. The one that, like, the wind-up is the, the main thing, the most beautiful part. Because it's like, damn, this is going to hurt. Like, there's no there's no pulling anything off of this the way he winds it up. So, uh, really dope to see JBL's clothesline from hell. I remember he, he came back and did it. Uh, it was the 2010s era, I can't remember, but he basically was a broadcaster and somebody was disrespecting the old legend. He got in the ring, took his little suit off, hit him with the clothesline of hell, still looked like it hurt uh, at this old age of his. So, really good. Number one, this is a, for those that don't know, this is a little teaching moment, as we would say in the League of Melanated Gentlemen. Okada. Okada is a uh, a wrestler from New Japan. And he's also known as the Rainmaker. And the Rainmaker is also the name of his finisher, which is the clothesline. So his clothesline is, is, is beautiful. Like, it's it's a thing of beauty. His clothesline, uh, he basically, what he does is he has basically, like, who have you, like, walk away from him. Like, let's say you're walking away from me, and I grab your wrist and pull you towards me and then hit you with a big-ass clothesline. That's what uh, Okada's, uh, the Rainmaker, is like. Uh, and Okada is like I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but Okada is like New Japan's um, 
Randy or Orton or John Cena. Like he's the guy, the guy, but he's still so good. He's been wrestling uh, for years now, but the Rainmaker is classically known. And first of all, just a beautiful name, right? Like this, that just sounds like something you want to see uh, in person, the Rainmaker. And every time he does it, it just looks better and better, man. Like Okada is a real one. He's honestly one of my favorite wrestlers out right now. And I love him because he's also a real one. If any of you have maybe seen on, on Instagram, I've shown some of my friends, but one time he was wrestling in the ring and a guy kicked him in his back. He was doing a submission on somebody in a tag team match. Their partner gets in the ring, kicks him in his back a couple of times. He doesn't really sell it. Right. So I guess the guy gets a little mad and he's just like 100% just kicks Okada in his face. And Okada wasn't expecting it. Like it was a legit kick. It wasn't like a, oh, I'm going to just tap you in your. No, it was legit. And so Okada gets up, bro. And that man chases that dude to the outside of the ring and beats the hell out of him. Like, no, like, not like wrestling beat him up. No, like, legit punches to the face, kicks to the ribs, kicks to the kidneys, picks him up, slams him on the outside in the little table area. Like, Dude, like, against that dude's will. That dude was trying not to get picked up. He still picked him up, slammed him. Like, Okada's a real one, right? <laughs> like, he's not one of these ones you play with. He will he will send you a receipt real quick. So uh, I just love that about him. Like, he's a, he's a real one. I like that. But then also, he just has this, like, mythical um, thing about his character as far as the Rainmaker. And has had classic, classic, classic matches uh, going back with Kenny Omega and others. New Japan is a beautiful uh, and historic um, wrestling promotion. For those that don't know, a lot of great wrestlers that have been in the WWE have wrestled or come from New Japan. Like go, even going back to the 70s, the 60s, 70s, 80s, like you might look it up, but like even Hulk Hogan has wrestled in New Japan and others. Um, Vader has wrestled in New Japan. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of new great wrestlers that wrestled over there. So um, I really want to encourage you to look up Okada, uh, the Rainmaker. Again, really good finisher. Looks good every time he hits it. And uh, that's my number one. So let me know what your top five clotheslines are. Right? You may agree, may disagree. Let me know. I'm always willing to debate. If you know me, you know. I'll debate at me, at Worldwide Willis or at the LMG podcast, hit me anytime. I'm willing to go, go to bat for it. And I'm always, you know, love to hear, you know, wrestling takes. Uh, I love that stuff. So yeah, just hit us up again at worldwide Willis uh, on Twitter or at the LMG podcast on Twitter. Um, recently had a wrestling um, tweet about Roman Reigns and the Usos go semi-viral. So that was cool. Check that out. That was cool for us. And, uh, yeah, we're always posting about all kinds of stuff. Wrestling stuff, Marvel, comics, all kinds of stuff. We're really tapped into this stuff. And so, again, hit up the Facebook group, the uh, League of Melanated Gentlemen podcast. Hit us up there. Send us anything you got. Uh, we'll definitely hit you back. So I appreciate you listening to me ramble about wrestling on another episode. And, again, we out.